Um, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they concentrate, they concentrate on doors instead of profit. And like they don't, and I know that we've really gone through that. You should concentrate on profit should be the number one thing you're concentrating on all your long-term goals. You could say, I'm gonna have 10,000 doors, but if you're gonna be paying a million dollars a month and you're losing, how's that beneficial? Thanks for being here. Listen, we we take a lot of things very lightly at Second Nature, but one thing we don't take very lightly is your time. Uh, and so, you know, that you're sharing a piece of your Wednesday, a piece of your life with us, it really means something. And uh, we are so excited for the expert panelists that we're gonna be bringing up here. Um, we'll just go ahead and bring them to the Zoom stage now. So we'll bring Julie and Paul and Matt. And if you haven't seen, the email, well, I mean, you had to see an email or a Facebook post or something to get here, right? So you've at least seen a little something uh, about the panelists, but if you don't have the pleasure of knowing them as well as some of the rest of us, I'll have them just go around now and just briefly introduce themselves. Um, you know, they, the, uh, how about we do it this way? We'll have you share again, your name, uh, your company, where you're located. And uh, let's do one interesting personal fact that most people don't know about you. We'll make it a little fun, a little personal before we get started. But Paul, why don't you get us kicked off? We'll start with you. Sure. My name is uh, Paul Kankowski. I'm from Southern California. I'm with Pure Property Management. Um, I run a systems conference in Las Vegas as a September that I would highly suggest that you go to. It's a lot of fun. It's a really good event. And an interesting, interesting fact about me is I also ran a hundred miler. I know Tony Klein is the one that everyone knows in the group, but I ran a hundred miler when I was 40. So 10 years ago. So before Tony Klein, we even got there. I did. I'm still trying to do it again. Unlike Tony Klein, I haven't done a 240, but uh, interesting fact, I do, I have done ultra running. Wow. Ultra marathon. That's awesome. Uh, that puts you in an elite category. <laughs> That's a I'm like, I'm trying to think if I've ever gone a hundred miles, like over the course of what period of time it would take me to go a hundred miles intentionally. Well, you um, have to, you, the good thing about running hundred milers is it makes you plan because if you're going to go run, you know, 20, 30 hours a week, you have to plan to make sure that your company can get the stuff done. Nice. We got some systems conference fans in the chat. I see that. Thank you, Paul. Uh, Julie, why don't we go to you next? Yeah, alrighty. Julie Mullinex. Um, I am COO of CRM Properties, um, co-owner, but my official title COO. And um, we're in Kokomo, Indiana, but we are in about five different markets in Indiana. Um, one fact that probably most people don't know, um, I'm a PK. So if you don't know what a PK stands for, I'm a pastor's kid. So my dad's a pastor. Um, so there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's I don't I don't think I knew that, Julie. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> I being at Cubs games and having having some time together. Uh, that's yeah. Thanks yeah. for sharing. All right, great to have you with us. And Mr. Tringali, I, I can see Matt. Man, did some somebody got you on brand today? You are fully ready to go. I love it. Um, if you'd introduce yourself for those who may not know you yet. Hey guys, um, Matthew Trigali with uh, Better Who. Um, I'm a property manager just like you guys um, for the past 15 years, although I sold my property management business to Paul earlier this year. 
um, at Pure. <laughs> and, um, but super excited uh, to now be um, doing the other thing that I love. Yeah, I'm a sellout. Uh, doing the other thing that I love here at Better Who, which is helping other property managers with uh, staffing and strategic planning, just like the type of stuff we're going to be talking about today. Um, a little known fact about me. Um, so Julie was just sharing uh, before you guys all hopped on that today is her 33rd wedding anniversary. So congrats to Julie. And, uh, and I was sharing my claim to fame. I've been married for 22 years, but my claim to fame is that my wife and I only dated for two months and were engaged for two months and then got married. And here we are 22 years later. So, Wow. I feel like it's like, it's like when you see one of those dates, like two months, two months, 22 years, like uh, all lines up there. Yeah. Um, man. You wanna, anyone can have a claim to fame if you were just married and you're happy for 20 years. So you both, all, all the, you know, just that's a claim to fame in itself. 22 years. And, I would agree. You know, yes. And you didn't and ask if I was happy for 22 years. I mean, I didn't answer that question, to be fair. Yes, but your daughter asked you to go camping for 18th birthday, which means you're doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think, uh, listen, we, we've got a lot of open question and answer. You know, we, we love to, as people have questions, find a way to integrate them, pull them in along. Um, and, and I have a feeling maybe eight minutes in, it'll just be like, all right, this annual planning stuff's great, but how do, how do we get to... Uh, you know, marriage is lasting 20, 30 plus years. Let's get to the, the real value here. This is, uh, that's good stuff. So, all right, everybody, um, we're going to dive in. If, if you're not familiar with me, Andrew Smallwood, uh, VP of Revenue at Second Nature. I'm your friendly neighborhood, uh, purple-shirted moderator for today, and very excited to be with our esteemed expert panel. We are going to be talking about goal setting, planning. Um, it's that time of year where we're coming up you know, on the first year, sometimes people wait a few weeks after this to get started on this. Some people are already in a planning motion. Some of you are looking to use this as a way to get kickstarted. And whatever place you're in, we're hoping that by the end of today, it helps you move forward to a place of higher clarity. You've got some actionable ideas that you can take away. We may even have some time and a benefit of being here live, even to pull a couple of you up if you want some live support uh, with what you're working on from this group after we've covered a few things. So we've got some prepared content, but we've got a lot of open space to cover a lot of ground. Uh, so we'd love to see you keeping us busy in the chat with any questions or things that you want more detail on or things that we haven't covered yet. So with that, I'm gonna kick it off. And first thing in my notes here is talking about just what's your current annual planning process? Can you help people, level say like how you approach it, what framework, you know, you might be using and why, like what, what have you currently been doing? Um, what's your current process look like? And Julie, if you don't mind, I'm going to come to you first and we'll go around the horn. Yep. So um, my husband and I own the company together. So um, our yearly planning is the two of us. Um, we usually do it um, second week of December. We go away somewhere for four days. Um, and we do a SWOT analysis of our company. Um, we really do a, a deep dive into our financials. Um, we review the past financials and where we want to go next year. Um, we use this as an opportunity for us to do both our personal and business um, review our net worth, which um, if you don't do that and you are a business owner, I highly recommend that you do that, even personally. Um, but it gives you somewhere to go, somewhat to something to work towards. 
Um, we look at what new fees we might want to add or increases. Um, we look at our benefit package for our team. What do we want to add to our benefit package? Um, are we wanting to make any changes to our PMAs or lease documents? Um, this is kind of a big one. Do we want to make any changes to our service area or do we want to make any changes to the types of properties we take on or the types of clients we take on? Um, we have a pretty, we're in a, a big range of um, properties with the markets that we're in. So we have properties that are running for $500 a month and some that are running for $3,000 a month. So it's a, it's a wide range. So we review that, um, review the data of those different kinds of properties to see if we want to offload some or keep going with those. Um, <clears throat> we actually give our agenda to, we have a leadership team. So we actually give our agenda to the leadership team ahead of time. So they see what we're gonna be talking about and then they can give us their suggestions or ideas. Um, so we can take those with us as we talk through them. Um, we use the a modified EOS framework, I would say, um, but it's it's similar to a, the, an EOS framework. Um, and we really look at, and I know you're going to get into this later, but we really, really look at our 10-year, three-year, one-year goal um, to help us decide what are we going to do over the next year. Um, we set our goals. We have three categories of goals, our team goals. So what are we going to do as a team um, for our staff? What are we going to do for our clients for goals? And then our customers, which are our residents. And then we map those out um, for the next year and then kind of break it up into a quarter. We absolutely make sure that they are SMART goals. Um, so if you don't know what a SMART goal is, it's very specific. It's measurable, attainable, or achievable, relevant, and time-bound. And um, if you don't make your goal SMART, it's really hard to see if you accomplished your goal at the end. You may think, yeah, I did it, but well, you didn't make it specific enough to really say, yes, you did. Or at the other direction, you may think, no, I didn't do it. But when you really break it down, then yeah, I did get it because this is exactly what I was supposed to do. So um, after we have our yearly planning, um, then we meet with our leadership team. Um, we have a full day planning day with them that we go over then basically what we've decided we're going to have for our goals next year. Um, and then we, we divide up those goals among the different department heads, and then they create their SMART goals. And that's our year end planning. Awesome. Man, I just want to reflect a couple things before I come to Paul next and a couple things back for folks that I'm, I'm sure we're taking notes um, at home or as they're listening to this. And one thing I loved is you talked about, like, I almost see that like triple win lens of like looking at like residents in that investor relationship, investors in that relationship, our team, and thinking about things right from these different groups of people and how are we, you know, advancing things and making progress for folks as it relates to that. I, I love that. Um, for those who are less familiar, I'm going to sneak over to my overhead camera here just for visual, but EOS just stands for uh, Entrepreneurial Operating System. There's a, a podcast, Triple Win podcast episode you can connect with, with Sue Hawks, who's a professional implementer. She has some history in property management. If you want a little more on EOS, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about that. Matt you know, has a lot he can offer on that as well. We got the SMART and SWAT for those who don't know, it's, and I, I did this wrong, but anyway. There, there's uh, four quadrants, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats as a way to look at and think about your business, what's going on, um, and analyze it from that lens. So some good frameworks there, Julie. Thanks for getting us kicked off. 
Paul would love to, and by the way, three to four days, I mean, that's a real commitment, right? To, to, that, that's a statement it itself. Um, really so, cool. Then I'll clarify that. We usually go somewhere, I think I mentioned on our our first call, we're going to Frankenmuth um, this year. So we try to go someplace that's going to be fun so we can work hard during the day and then go out and have fun in the evening. So it's kind of a, a goal planning and then a fun time. So. Love it. That's great. Paul, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your current process? Yeah. So the funny thing is that Chris and Julie are two of my best friends. So we kind of have talked about these things. Ours are very different. And I know exactly what Chris does. And, you know, I know Chris, you know, they want to conquer three states, 10,000 dollars. The goals are very, very big. Mine was more multiple companies. How can I make it so that I can get myself out of certain things and do things better? So, um, but in the end, we both did the same thing. I know Chris, you and Julie, I mean, Julie and Chris usually go to like a little cabin by the lake in Indiana or somewhere down. And um, I always was very impressed. So my thing is a lot of people try to do their end of the year goals at home. They try to do it in the office. And I don't know if Julie can, can test this too. You don't get the stuff done. I, I, first off, you don't invest the money. And you're like, oh, I don't want to pay to have a room. I don't want to pay to have this. But when you go away, you're forced to really get stuff done because otherwise people walk into your office, they interrupt you, and you're in the same routine. So um, Julie and me both, had, we've done it, but I, I do mine a little differently. I'll go to Mexico uh, when I used to do my end-of-the-year planning, and I would have fly all my remote team members into Guadalajara. So I had a couple that were in Mexico City. One was in Cancun. Very, very cheap to fly. I mean, um, from Mexico to Mexico, it was like 40 bucks, 50 bucks a flight. Um, but ours is two days long. So I'll go to Mexico for the week. I leave on a Sunday. And on a Monday and Tuesday, we go through all the processes, what we're doing, and we go to see how it's done better. I video call in my US-based staff. So what I want to do is I want to focus at the beginning of the year on my remote staff so that they are the ones that are the important ones. And my my um, team members in the U.S. They will they will chime in when they need to chime in. They'll they'll come into video conferencing, and I sit down with the people that are actually doing the work. And one of the things we did for our annual planning is the best idea that we think can save the company the most money, or that can make us the most money during that. We get they get a hundred dollar cash. Just you know, I have a hundred dollar bill, um, tape it up to the wall, and whoever had the best idea, we vote it down to two, and then we vote on that. And they get that. Um, so we do two days of planning with the staff. So they fly in there, then they leave. Then I do one day um, by myself in Mexico where I'm just kind of going through what we did because you get so much information, you really need to process it. And then my management team in Mexico, they, they'll be still there because they live in Guadalajara. Um, they would come in and meet with me at the end of the week. And then I leave on Friday. So I spend a week um, and I'm still getting other things done that I need to for other businesses. But it really gets me so that I can focus on the next year. So I can do it. And I used to do this every January. Uh, the last time I did it was this last January. Um, I no longer will be doing it this January because I'm in a different role. But um, I would highly recommend that you plan something. It did cost us some money because I had to get hotel rooms. Um, but like at the end of the day, like Julie said, we would take the team and go play laser tag. Uh, we'd go to dinner. We'd do things like that. Um, we would do a lot of fun things. And um, I wanted to focus because I, I think a lot of times, you know, um, we don't, we look at what our team can do. Another thing we did for end of the year planning is when I do get a goal, 
then I find someone that can help me go reach reach my goals. So one of my goals, I think, it was four years ago, five years ago, was that I didn't I did not want to talk to tenants anymore. Like I wanted to not be involved in tenants. So Chris, Julie's husband, would call me once a month and ask me. And as Julie says, you need to have spe- measurable goals. So every time I talked to a tenant, I would write it down on a piece of paper. He'd call me and say, how many tenants did you talk to this month? I talked to four. That's not very good, Paul. You got to do less. The next month it was two. And then when I would get to zero, Chris would be like, good job. Okay, I'm going to buy you a drink next time I see you. Um, and so find that person that you can call and it can't usually be your spouse because they're not, you know, find another property manager. And when you make a goal that you're trying to change, get someone to help you with it. And that was huge for me. Um, and, and that was a great thing that, you know, and like me and Chris actually came down um, and was there when I was doing my, my, my one week thing. Um, so I believe Julie's actually there. You're doing some of that at other times of the year, that same thing with your staff. So um, many things that do. And I know Matthew has a ton of stuff he does with EOS and I've learned a lot from Julie and Matthew on these end of the year planning. Awesome. Man, Paul, that was great. I, I love how I think most people hearing this, it's like, okay, that's a different approach, you know, than I've heard most people take the idea that, hey, we're going to go line by line, right? And look at each process and the prize, right? The people who win it, uh, a couple of days with staff, with managers, there's team culture connecting beyond it. I love the monthly accountability with somebody in the business and the specific example of the goal that you had, how that was tracked and how you handled that. That's really cool. Awesome stuff. Um, great. Well, Matt, we're going to bring it to you. There, there's also a question in here, which we integrated and Paul mentioned, Hey, a lot of his team being remote in Mexico, how that was handled. You know, Matt, you may have some perspective if people have, you know, a, even beyond like time zones or across oceans uh, in their remote team, how people engage their team in annual planning, as you also explain your, your current process. Cool. Thanks. Um, yeah, this is a lot of great information um, that you guys both shared. And, um, you know, one of my takeaways is there's no wrong way to do this. You know, if you're doing annual planning, you're ahead of the game. You're doing more than probably 90% of your competitors. So, um, so and then the, one of my other takeaways from what you guys are saying too, and I'll address this a little bit, is, is some of your different strategies depends on your team size. Right. So, Julie, I think you guys have a staff of like 20 or 30 plus people at this point. 45. <laughs> 40, 45. Some of that's maintenance or whatever. Yep. And so versus, you know, Paul's team, you were more like five to eight or something like that, Paul, or or even we less. Were, we were 10 or 11 right now. 10 or 11 at that point. Yeah. So um, so some of it's going to kind of depend on that. And it's helpful to go ahead and identify sort of like who's your executive team, who's your leadership team. Oh. Who, you know, who all really needs to be involved in the annual planning versus maybe they just need to be, you know, kind of be informed about what gets decided at the annual planning. Um, so, you know, some of the answers about remote team members is going to kind of depend on that, right? So Julie has like 15 remote team members on her team or something. I'm sure they're not all involved in annual planning, you know, or at least not all in the same capacity, um, the way, you know, Paul is doing with his. So, but I'll keep some of my answers a little bit high level here. Um, first of all, I also highly recommend offsite. So um, my business partners and I, just as an executive team, are actually doing our annual planning um, this Sunday. Uh, t- uh, Tony is flying into Charlotte, and then Tony and Jay and I are going to drive up to Asheville for three days um, and do our annual planning. And um, 
for me, annual planning starts with the basics um, and kind of just touching on some things that maybe you've already touched or you haven't, but um, I think it's worthwhile to address right people, right seats um, at the beginning. Like, you know, what are the right roles on my team? Is everybody in the right roles right now? What what are any staffing gaps that we have right now? Uh, because you can do all the planning in the world, but if you don't have the team alignment in place, you're not going to achieve any of your goals. Um, so we kind of start with just touching on the right people, right seats, um, touch on our company core values and overall mission. Um, are they doing for us what they are meant to be doing for us? And again, we don't need to spend a lot of time talking about that, but it's worth looking at those every year, just making sure they're not cursory, making sure they're really full and doing something for you. Um, and then, um, as Julie kind of mentioned, she has, you know, uh, this big long-term vision and it's worthwhile to readdress that long-term vision. Um, you know, is that also doing what we wanted to do for us or does it need any tweaking? Once we kind of have that foundation in place, uh, then we'll do sort of a year in review. Um, so you know, how did we do this last year? What did we actually accomplish? What did we not accomplish that we wanted to accomplish? Um, there's a great book. Um, I know, Andrew, you guys had Dr. Benjamin Hardy on your podcast. He has a great book, The Gap and the Gain, which kind of addresses this, you know, how to think about what have I achieved versus what have I not achieved. So helpful to kind of start there. Um, and then for us, um, we keep, we maintain something we call the parking lot. So all throughout the year, um, we're constantly putting stuff in the parking lot. And these are basically like ideas we have or maybe failed projects we had or, you know, just anything like that that we know we have interest in, but haven't had time to do yet. And that's basically the start of our annual planning is we start by looking at that parking lot to say, okay, well, what's in the parking lot? And, um, you know, what is going to make the cut for this year? Um, and then, and then we kind of take all of that information to say, okay, which of these things are going to help put us on track to achieve that long-term vision versus which are things that maybe are interest to us, but they might kind of be a distraction from our long-term vision. Because there's lots of things you can do, uh, but if you are pointed at a certain direction, you want to make sure you're marching in that direction. Um, and then the other thing, and it took me a while to kind of learn this. Um, so, you know, as, as you alluded to, I'm a former EOS implementer. One critique I have about kind of the EOS method is it's it's by design meant to sort of put you in a pressure cooker situation and just decide in the moment, right? And so like you go off, you do this offsite, you're like, okay, great. Here's all the information, just decide. And there's pros and cons to that. You know, some of the pros are you force yourself to make a decision, you start moving. But some of the cons are you might be making decisions where you didn't really have all the information you wish you'd had in order to make that decision. Um, and so for that reason, one thing that I've really added over the last few years is kind of some pre-work before we show up to the annual planning. So we'll kind of do some of this reflective work. We'll come to the table with say maybe some of that SWOT analysis done that Julie talked about, or some of those kind of like, okay, if we have a project, we think we'll make the cut, you know, we'll do a little pre-planning for that project. So that way we can show up and make more informed decisions instead of showing up and really just totally starting from scratch. Um, so for us, you know, we'll get the whole team, whoever needs to be involved in that pre-work. We'll go off as a leadership team, kind of do this planning. And then when we're done, we'll circle back around with the team to be like, okay, we got the whole annual planning thing started. Now we need everybody else to kind of fill in all of the mortar around the cracks here and figure out what the solid plan is for this year. Hmm. Can, awesome stuff. Can I add something real quick? Question, Matthew? Um, I agree with what you said, Matthew, about big teams versus small teams. 
Yeah. Um, I just think if you're doing like, let's say your goal is maintenance or your goal is applications, who's ever doing applications, if you're if you're a team of 40 people and you have five people that are involved in applications, bring those five, bring whatever your goal is. And I know Julie does that too. Um, but yeah, I agree. If you have 40 people, um, you could do it. But, um, you know, with Pure, with this summer, we had all the owners and all the upper management. We all flew to Colorado and we did two days of it with, there was 60 something people. So you can do it with a lot of people, but it gets very expensive. That's right. You know, also to echo on some of the things that Paul mentioned too, I know some people feel differently about this. Some people may think it's hokey, but I don't underestimate the value of team building activities, right? So when my partners are flying in, like we're going to breweries and we're going to this uh, pinball museum and, you know, just things like that, that'll be fun. Um, and again, everybody kind of has different vibes on that kind of thing, but I, I find a lot of value in it. Yeah. It's, it was interesting that all three of you mentioned like offsite as something that's valuable. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, probably just saying this jokingly, uh, listen, if you're trying to figure out, okay, so how do I figure out the offsite and like affording the offsite to this annual planning we're doing? Well, just go sign up with your friendly neighborhood second nature person on RBP and then you can, you can fund your offsite. But jo jokes aside, um, that was a really interesting thread. I got a couple notes here, Matt. Uh, I'm not going to do this, by the way, every time you guys talk, but you know, I love what you said about right people, right seats, the mission value vision check, looking at 10 year first for getting into this planning process. We get the book shout out for people who missed it. Gap in the game, Dr. Ben Hardy, the parking lot concept. And events is a forcing function. I love what you said about there's pros to that and there's cons, but also how you've addressed the cons, trying to increase decision quality by getting some time pre-work and allowing people to let things sit, percolate, start to develop some thoughts and bring that information together. I really like that as a great actionable tip. Okay. Especially, by the way, I've become more cognizant over time for introverts on my team especially the introverts on the team, they don't like that. They don't want to be pressured into like saying something on the spot. They want time to percolate on that. So I think you have to um, be respectful of different people's decision-making and how they, do, how they decide things. Yeah. One of our friends and mentors at Second Nature talks about how it's, it's not the, I think there's a book, Susan Cain wrote it called Quiet, talking about introverts and how yes. It's not always the loudest people that have the best ideas, but how do you, as a leader of an organization, facilitate things in such a way where you're able to draw the best ideas out from everyone, right? When you're getting that contribution, not just those who are most confident or first to speak. Um, really great stuff. Go ahead. Sorry, you go ahead. No, you go, Julie. <laughs> I just wanted to touch one other thing. I know I saw the comment about the remote team members. And I know Paul touched on it. Um, I just wanted to share what we do. Um, we have, um, I believe we're up to about 20 remote team members now. Um, and one, they're spread across a lot of different departments in our company. Um, one of them happens to be the director of a one of our departments. So we kind of make a joke about it, but when we have our um, full day goal planning with our leadership team, she's on screen and we, this is the part that I make a joke, we carry her around with my laptop. So we're just kind of moving her around the room with us, but she's right there with us. And I think that the people who aren't used to having remote team members, it's, it's, it's a mindset change to think you, it, you don't really need to do anything different. They're just not sitting right next to you. So. Yeah, mm. totally agree with that. 
I, I love what Paul does. I mean, if you have them all in a tight geographic area, yeah. that's really cool. You know, a lot of us have like my remote team members are spread out between like four different countries at this point. So that would be harder for me. But just like Julie said, there's te the technology is there. There's a cool tool also called, um, I think it's called OWL um, that you could look into to put into kind of a boardroom setting that really feels really incorporated. But Matthew, the, my first time doing it, I really screwed up. Um, I go to Guadalajara for a reason. The first time I did it, we went to Cabo. And I brought, <laughs> my, I brought my staff from the U.S. down too. And this was when I was smaller. So it was seven people, like a couple remote people, a couple people from the United States. And one of them's like, so when do we get to play golf? And we're actually going to work today. And I'm like, okay, never am I going to the beach. Like, don't go to Hawaii and think that your team's going to get a lot accomplished. <laughs> go to St. Louis, go to, you know, Guadalajara, go in the middle of a country, like where you can still have fun at night, but they're not sitting there looking at the palm trees going, I just want to get in the water. Yeah, I like it. Oh, uh, that's the voice of experience right there. It sounds like <laughs> that's great. Um, I want to shift to a question, you know, Matt and Julie, you were alluding to like an EOS, right? There's this thought of 10-year and three-year and one-year goals. And um, I've got a, a thought to add to this. It's something like we've been running with recently, but I'd like for you guys to kick this off. And maybe Matt, we'll start with you on this one of, you know, how do you think about and how have you helped other property managers think about 10-year, three-year, one-year goals? Like how much time do I allocate for each of these? It sounds like you're revisiting them at least, at least once a year. Um, how, how are you thinking about that? How, how do you allocate for that and work through that? Yeah, the, the idea behind the 10 year, the, the, the number 10 is kind of arbitrary in that case. The whole idea behind it is just, it's really far away, right? It's what Jim Collins calls your BHAG, right? Your big, hairy, audacious goal. Um, so like for Elon Musk, his BHAG is colonize Mars, right? Um, and so it's really distilling it down to a, to a vision statement, um, and there's lots of different ways you can think about that. Lots of things I can say, but I'll give you two examples of what I think are great vision statements. The first one here is a computer on every desk in every home. So who, who knows who said that one, right? You put it in the chat if you know who said that one, right? This is a classic one from the 80s and mission accomplished, right? Um, it was not Apple. Wrong. <laughs> yeah, that was Bill Gates. Um, and then another one I love is uh, finding a cure for Parkinson's disease. Anybody have any guess? You put that in the chat if you think you know who that is, right? But these to me are, yep, the Michael J. Fox Foundation, right? So these to me are great examples of your 10-year or just BHAG, you know, something. And the whole point of it is it's your compass, right? It points you in a direction. So now any other, you know, um, vision or goal you want to come up with, you have to filter it through. Like, well, is this going to help me put a computer on every desk in every home? Right. Is this going to help me find a cure for Parkinson's disease? Yes or no. Right. Um, and then as you get to three years, it's like, OK, cool. Now I can start to get a little more specific, but it's still going to be a, a little broad and you don't want to get too detailed. I mean, things might change a little bit in three years. But the point of the three year, again, is to be able to when you ask the at your annual planning, you want to be able to say, OK, what do we need to do this year to achieve what we want to achieve in three years? Because that's where you can start to get really specific. And then the whole point of that is to drill it down further, right? To say, okay, great. If that's what I need to get to this year, what do I need to do this quarter to put me on track to achieve that by the end of the year? 
And then you get even more specific. What are the milestones I have to hit along the way over the course of the quarter to get that done, right? So the point is, is you're just breaking it up into smaller and smaller pieces. And it's all pointing you in that direction of your BHAG. Hmm. And that's awesome. Paul, Julie, any thoughts on like 10 versus three versus one, how much time you're spending on each, how you think about it? I know Julie has some BHAGs, but I was going to say um, just what Matthew said is, um, it depends on the type of person you are too. Like for me, I'm a really like anal type person, like things have to be right. I have to get it right. And so what happens is the reason you need these goals is because you'll get so focused on this has to be correct. This has to be correct that you don't go forward. And I'll think about it with second nature. I was one of your first customers way back in the day. And for the first year, I didn't implement it to any houses. Like it was maybe like five because I'm like, it's not correct in the language. The contract's not correct. This isn't correct. Oh, I got to make sure this is. And this was before everyone in California was doing it. So I was still trying to make sure every law was correct. Everything was correct. And I just wouldn't take the step forward. So I agree with Matthew 100%. Have a 10-year goal. Have a three-year goal. Have a one-year. Have a quarterly goal. But then get out there and do it and make yourself go forward and make yourself take some risk. If you're an entrepreneur. You got to do some. Um, it's just... It, it, it just was the big thing. And the other thing when you're looking at these goals is think of a goal of an ending goal. Like we always don't want to think about what's my end game, but you know, 10 years, you might be 60 and there might not, 10 years might be like, yeah, I'm going to be long retired. You should always be thinking about what am I going to do as an exit plan? Um, and my thing was, is I kind of found this out when I was in California, my wife wasn't a broker and I was a broker and I forget who it was. Um, but someone said, oh, what happens if you get hit by a bus? You know that your all your doors will go away because you don't have a, you'd have to give your doors to someone else. And we're like, oh crap, we didn't think about the end game plan. So Christine went and got a broker's license. So if I get hit by a bus, we would still have our company. So you should think about an end game plan. You should think about all that stuff because it helps you realize what you're doing wrong right now. It helps you see what's um Yes, if you get hit by a Powerball, then you they, then they don't care that you, you're not the broker because you're at $1.9 billion. But, um, but yes, so always in these goals, also start to think, what is my company valuation? Um, I never did that early on, never did things like that. It's really nice to know these types of things because if you know what's going to happen and you know what your, what your end goal is, and you don't have to have an end date of in three years, two days, and five five months, I'm going to do this or whatever it is, but you need to think about uh, what if this happens? There's a lot of other things that are, that go on. So what Matthew said, get a, get a big, hairy, audacious goal. It's great. It'll help you move forward, but then really do it down and then make yourself with your quarterly goals, make yourself complete them and make yourself move on. And I got way better at that um, after five years. And with thanks of other people that were around me and said, you know, take some rest, push yourself. Julie? I think um, I, I think what Matt was saying is really spot on and it's how we think about things a lot. I think we, we do have a 10-year target. It's not necessarily a 10-year goal, but it's the target that, that our entire staff company is rowing towards. So we're on the boat running towards that one spot. Um, but then in order to get there, that's where we we break it down into, okay, in three, if we want to be here in 10 years, where do we need to be in three years? And that three-year goal, I think, is it's much easier for our staff, even for our directors, but the, the staff underneath them, 
to be able to, 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 I guess, buy into that. And um, I think the 10 year, they're like, I'm not even going to be here in 10 years, you know, so they, they might not even like, whatever, you guys can do what you want. But I think breaking it down for your staff, for your team members, it, it makes it, you get a lot better buy-in from, from our experience of, of getting those smaller pieces. Um, but then when we have our three year, um, then yes, today or next month when we're looking at next year, okay, we're, we wanted to be here in three years. This is what we need to do this year to get there in three years and then break and piece it down into the quarters and then the little rocks and pebbles along the way. So Julie, Julie, one of the, would you agree, Julie and Matt, I just have this question. Um, one of the biggest mistakes that I see people make is they concentrate, they concentrate on doors instead of profit. And like they don't, and I know that we've really gone through that. You should concentrate on profit should be the number one thing you're concentrating on all your long-term goals. You could say, I'm going to have 10,000 doors, but if you're going to be paying a million dollars a month and you're losing, how's that beneficial? So um, once I started looking at price per door and what I was making, and that happened with the Lead Simple survey like five years ago, that really, or six years ago, that really changed everything that my company was doing when we focused on um, numerical, as Matthew says, you know, goals that you can actually see, touch, feel, you know, they're, they're, you, you know what they are. Yeah, not just profit, but also, like you said, it, more specifically, that the unit economics, you, you have to be focused on your unit economics. And it's what allowed both Paul and I to operate property management companies that only had about 200 doors, and yet we're extremely profitable at 200 doors, because we got laser focused on the unit economics. So I do agree with that. One other um, thing, Andrew, on this point, you know, when we were um, preparing for this call, one of the things we um, talked about is if you don't already have that that BHAG, that 10-year long-term vision, don't worry about it. Um, so like the advice for now would actually be don't actually worry, like do your annual planning, but don't actually really worry about the annual plan right now. Right now, really just figure out what are your most high-priority projects over the next quarter, and as Paul said, get realistic about it. Get those things done. We tend to um, underestimate what we can get done in the long term, and we tend to overestimate what we can get done in the short term. So be smart about the next quarter. And while you're going through that quarter, have a plan to figure out what your BHAG and what your kind of three-year and one-year is. Um, but don't just start with your one-year because you really, it's kind of arbitrary if you just start with one year. Guys, I'm... Uh, um texting our video editor right now just to apologize so i'm like we're going to keep you busy for a long time cutting this thing up and getting all the nuggets out of this <laughs> <laughs> great great stuff so far um listen i, I pulled sam up I, I didn't want to kill the flow there but um he's got yeah, a and the question, the question that i wanted to ask is matt almost answered it verbatim like one of the concerns that i have is the fact that like I don't want to have a 3000 unit property management company. You know, I'm a very profitable 300 unit property management company. I just hired my wife and a remote team member to work on sales and marketing because I'm so profitable. And I feel like it'd be a crime to not try to grow, but my ambition is maybe to a thousand, not to 3000 or 10,000. And so part of my, part of my question, and I think Matt partly answered it was, my, my BHAG might not be in property management. It might be, I want to own 200 or a thousand units, right? And I want to do syndication and stuff like that. So I guess my question is when you're, when you have multiple property, multiple companies and, or um, if you really do not truly have a, a, a BHAG because you want more of a lifestyle company, 
um, where do you start in your goal setting? Because I, I always start the other way, which you just said, Matt, not to do, which is what are the things that I need to do right now to make my business most successful, as opposed to going to the goal, right? And for me, the, the, the thing that I needed to work on was sales marketing. So that's why I went there. I, think, I don't think Matt ever states that you shouldn't start right what you should do now. You should also just look at what you might want to do in the future. Most people start with what they're going to do now. And me and Matt have had many conversations about this. You start with what am I going to do now in the next two, three months? And your goals can be, I want to be able to make every one of my kids soccer games, not miss out of time, go hiking. Those are important goals. Like money is, doesn't run everything because if you die and you have millions and millions of dollars, but you didn't get to see anything, what does it matter if you have that money? So, um, you know, I think that all of us look at, lifestyle goals too, uh, what we're going to do, what stress we're going to take off. Taking the tenants off me, that, that helped the company, but it really helped me because I hated talking to tenants. And so that got it off me. It was a win-win. I gave someone else a job and um, I didn't have to do it. So Matt, would you go on there? But I believe I mean, you've always told me, Matt, that you can start with the current. Yeah, totally. And then, um, yeah, what I would say, Sam, is... Um, you know, so like for us, we do the build smart system, as you know, and smart stands for self-managing and responsible team. And that's because that's what I find that most business owners are looking for is a self-managing team. Um, so for most of the companies I work with, that's actually one of their very first goals and BHAGs they have is just like Paul wanted, how do I remove myself from the business, right? Uh, and create a lifestyle business. And so when I had done that, uh, just like you, my goal was the same as Paul and yours. It was like, I actually want to have multiple businesses, multiple streams of revenue. Um, and so, but I always felt like, well, there's got to be something more with the property management company. So I asked one of my mentors, I'm like, hey, I'm only working like five hours a week. And like, I don't know, like, what do I do now? And he said, well, I think the role of a business owner is whatever will exponentially add value to the company. And it was that word exponential that really triggered something for me because most business owners focus on what linearly adds value to the company, right? One unit at a time, but you can easily hire people to linearly add value to the company. But if you got really smart about that, there are ways that you can exponentially add value, right? Through new verticals um, or other streams of revenue that are kind of, you know, supporting your property management company, right? There's other things you can do that would be exciting for you at that point, which is what I started doing. I think that actually resonates a lot with me because I've always done it on a vertical basis and I haven't started a maintenance division. I haven't gotten a really well-oiled brokerage division and I haven't done that. And so maybe it's about a thousand units with a fantastic, all of these other verticals that are also you know, very profitable. So that's good. I like that. Thank you. Yep. Awesome. Hey, uh, Sam, we may bring you back up again a little bit later. Anybody else has questions to see if we're willing, we're willing to work some stuff in here. Um, I, I just want to reflect a couple of things that we were just talking about and, and a couple of thoughts that inspired, you know, one is I, I've been thinking a lot more recently, and we talked about this before, uh, three year goals. And a lot of times I found myself like the long-term goal was very like inspiring and energizing and the one-year goal, very practical, but you know that, that three-year planning start, starts to get me thinking differently than the routines of thinking I had before about what systems do I need to put in place to actually get there, right? Like not just what do I need to get to this part, right? And maybe it's to what Matt was just saying about not just like linear or depending on what my goals are, aggressive, et cetera, like how am I thinking about putting the things in place, right, that are going to set up that next stage to look the way it does that connects beyond there and the value of that. 
Um, another thing that, you know, with Sparkless is like, what, what's the purpose of a goal? I think it was Jay Papazan, author of the one thing, it may have been somebody else, sorry if I get the credit wrong, but I remember them saying that the purpose of a goal is to be appropriate in the moment, right? To be able to be appropriate in the moment. And so, hey, the reason we're setting these goals is so that we've got clarity and presence and attention on the things that matter, right? That we need to be doing and executing in the moment. Um, and I'll never forget early in my career, one of the best managers and mentors I ever had, I remember reaching a point in the middle of, we could call it a quarter, it was a campaign. We divided the year into three campaigns, supposed to four quarters. But you know, in the middle of a campaign, I realized I was not going to hit my goal. Right? Has anyone ever had that experience, whether it was an annual goal or a quarter, whatever it might be? And I remember just going to him and saying like, it like, here's what's going on. It's not going to happen. Like, what do I do? And he just looked me in the eye and he said, find a new goal that matters. Right. And it, it got me as opposed to just dejected and kind of like finishing out like, Hey, let me reset a goal. Right. This is that, um, you know, that, that is smart, measurable, attainable, all those things again, that matters, that energizes me so that I'm showing up and contributing my best work. And what matters is not, does Michael Jordan make every shot, right? But on the way to becoming, right, the greatest of all time. And this is a shout out for Bob Hansen. I saw him on the call. So I'm giving my Chicago Bulls reference here, right? But, uh, you know, every shot made or missed was on the way, right, to that ultimate vision of becoming the greatest of all time and finding goals, again, that help you be appropriate at the moment on the way. Very cool. Love what you guys shared about not just doors and thinking about door counts, by the way, like how are we setting goals? Even like Paul, I think of connecting back to lifestyle, like I don't want to talk to the tenants. That's not something I want to be doing, right? What do I find not just profitable? What do I find rewarding, right? In my business and why am I here? Um, love what you guys shared there. I'm sure people taking lots of notes and takeaways. Going to move to another question here, um, which is, can, can we get into some like tactical practical, like I want to get into some concrete examples of a goal and a little bit of like the plan that came out of your process. So maybe it was increased doors by this amount, or maybe it was increased profitability by this amount, or maybe it was, um, you know, see every baseball game, whatever it might be, but would love to hear the goal and then a little bit of the plan and execution you know, about that and some really kind of practical examples that people can take away. Um, why don't we start with Paul on this one? A funny thing was, is one of my systems are crap a long time ago. Um, they were just horrible. And I kept having remote team members that were not being as successful as they should be. I got that unicorn, the person who can work really good and do things even with crappy systems in place. And so me and Julie, we, uh, we were one of the original ones, went to uh, Vegas to work to see Errol Allen and see how we can make systems better. Um, my goal was, okay, I'm going to get all my systems done in the next three months. That was my goal. Um, Julie, have we finished all of our systems yet? We have not. Okay. I really realized that that was a goal. I didn't understand the scope of the goal. I made the goal. It was good to make the goal because it got me started, but it was an unrealistic goal. So you can make an unrealistic goal and then you just revise it once you realize how hard it is. My, then my new goal was to make a new system that works every three to four months. So to have three to four new systems a year 
and then start to once we get them all done, then you're gonna have to start revising the ones you did. And that was a realistic goal, but I had to fail at my original goal for me to realize what it was, what I could do to make the right goal. So when you make goals, you're gonna make goals and you're gonna fail. The big thing is review why you failed, figure out why you failed. Don't don't you know be mad at yourself unless you were just lazy. But if you worked at your goal, then figure out why you failed and move on from there. And I think that's the thing is failure is okay as long as you learn from it and you move on and you make it better. So I did fail my very first systems goal. I failed miserably. Um, and then my new goals, we were very successful. And it was, it was like I said, one every three to four months, one new system. Awesome. That's great. Love that. I, I feel like somebody could take that specific one and just say like, all right, I'm going to run with that. That's great. Um, Julie, let's come to you next. What thoughts on an example of a goal, concrete example of goal? What plan did you make from there? Share the story. The goal that, that I am going to talk about, it's, it was a year-long process. Um, as we were um, we started very small, like everybody probably did, um, and our growth kind of just ex exploded and we weren't completely prepared for it. Um, and so we, we <clears throat> excuse me, we had financial accounting and reporting, but it was not structured to where we were now with the growth. So we took a whole year to completely, in a sense, I'm going to say blow up our accounting system and um, re restructure it, create different um, departments so we could really drill down on our departments and what was profitable, what wasn't, where, what was our profit per door um, in the different areas. So we, we have a full maintenance and renovation um, division as well. So we wanted to see you know, is maintenance more profitable? Is renovations more profitable? Where are we on leasing and property management services? So we, um, like I said, we blew that up. We had a a long, it was a year um, that it it took my bookkeeper, it took our CPA, um, it took us. Um, we had to change property where we had to change our QuickBooks accounting. Um, so as far as the plan, we had. Quarter one, we wanted to be here with X. We needed to change our GL accounts. Quarter two, um, we needed then to convert all of our property wear stuff into those GL accounts to match QuickBooks. At the end of the first six months, everything was set up. So then the next six months, we were just really tweaking it and making sure that um, all of our numbers made sense. And we had to make some changes along the way, um, but that really, that was a, long process. Um, but we, and that I would say we really had to be diligent on not making our goals too, too wide, too, too far spread, I guess. We needed to keep them small or we would have lost focus. It, we would have quit. Um, so that, that was a really good example for us of the, the importance of having those smaller little pebbles along the way in your quarter and your six month and year goal. Hmm. And I'm curious, like when you, if I ask a follow-up question here, Julie, did you like, when you first set it up, was the plan detailed to like, actually here is quarter by quarter, how we're going to break down this 12 month goal. Like, was that there from the beginning or was it kind of like high level and, you know, Q1, we're really clear on and this other stuff, we'll kind of figure out how we do it from there. 
I would say yes. And to go to what Paul said, yes, I had a, this is where at the end of this year, where we're going to be, and this is each quarter, what we're going to do. It didn't completely work out that way. Um, so we did have to redo our quarter one. We thought, and we thought we would get more done in quarter one, but it turned out to be more work than we thought. So what we wanted to do in quarter two, we weren't ready for that yet. So we had to push that. So yes, I did have a plan for the end of the year. And yes, we did have it laid out, but it didn't go according to plan. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That's great. That's helpful. Thanks for that context. Um, you know, Matt, what, what comes to mind when you think of a, a concrete example or two of a goal that you set and a plan that you made, how it played out? Yeah, my story would be actually the same story that I gave as a talk at the Narco National Conference a few weeks ago. And it was um, what Paul and I were just talking about earlier with unit economics. So um, I'm a highly competitive person and anytime I could gamify something that works for me. And so, um, so we got clear on our numbers and we set a very specific goal around profitability and uh, direct labor efficiency. And so we saw where we were, we set a goal for where we wanted to be. And then we identified all of the projects we needed to do along the way to get there. And those projects included um, slashing a bunch of owners we didn't want to do business with anymore, um, slashing categories of business we didn't want anymore. Um, it included totally redoing our property management agreements, totally redoing our leases, um, adding all sorts of different things like a resident benefits package. Um, and then it included slashing a bunch of expenses. We got rid of our brick and mortar office. Um, and we totally reorganized our staff. And that's when we really, um, we'd already been using remote team members, but we just had a mindset shift went all in on remote team members. And so that was a total time span of about 18 months um, for us to achieve that goal. And it was actually sort of ancillary. I didn't mean to put myself out of a job, but that was the ancillary that I put myself out of a job by, by achieving that goal. Yeah, that's great. Great example. It, it's cool to hear examples of like, okay, here's a concrete you know, number that I'm trying to hit, or here's a new practice or discipline I'm trying to develop in my systems thinking and developing properties, or picking an efficiency metric, like a, a DLER, like you're just talking about and attacking that and going after that and seeing how it's doing over time. It's cool to see different approaches people can take um, and what's worked for you. So I, I want to move... Uh, so another question, we'll have a little time to weave in any questions out there in the audience, bring anybody else up for follow-up. If anybody has a goal in the audience that they actually want to bring up and share, get some thoughts of like, uh, you know, just some counsel here on, uh, on thinking through it and some ideas, we'll even open it up for that. Um, but a couple of things I want to hit. Julia, I'm going to start with you on resources you recommend. Are there, are there books? Are there courses? Are there people? Are there, what resources might you recommend for folks in the property management industry who are looking at this and, and who are those resources like perfect for, you know, Hey, if you're trying to do this or accomplish this, or if you're in this situation, you know, it's going to be especially relevant for you would be great. So I listed several. Um, so if you are, since we're, we're talking about goal planning um, and the, your original question was what framework do you use? Um, we have a, I, like I said, I called it a modified EOS, but I think what the heck is EOS is a fantastic book. If you want to get into learning this model, um, it's, very dumbed down. Um, it's it's a very easy book to read, and I would say it's great for 
people starting in, whether you're the, the broker owner or you're the receptionist at the front desk. It doesn't really matter. It's a, it's a fantastic book to, to get into that. Um, another one that, that we really like for our um, directors is Great Leaders Make Sure Monday Morning Doesn't Suck. Um, it's a really good book to help create a, a culture where people enjoy waking up Monday morning to come to work. Um, this is a good one that I really have had to work on over the last well, 12 years. If you want it done right, you don't have to do it yourself. Um, I just talked to some of my team today and I said, I'm a recovering control freak. Um, I have, I, I have done so much better and it makes me feel so much better. Um, I still have some work to do, but that's a really great book for, um, I think those higher level management people who think the only way that I'm going to get this, get this task done is if I just do it myself. And that's not the case. Um, I think um, NARPM is a fantastic organization um, for everybody here. It does not matter where you are in the company, what your, what your role is. Um, NARPM has got a lot of not just the conferences, but a lot of resources for everybody. Um, we had a business coach for about four years. Um, and that really took our business, I would say, to a different level. Um, there's all kinds of different business coaches out there. Um, ours was not in the industry of property management. So I think that helped us see more globally, not just tunnel vision of this is what property management is. Um, and then I think another one um, is getting involved in a mastermind group. Um, there's all kinds out there, or you can just form your own. Um, it's just a, a small group of, this would be more like-minded people. So it can be your, we have resident service coordinators. They're the team members that handle everything on the resident side. So you could just have a group of um, those, those staff from six other different companies that get together and talk about, um, successes and frustrations and how you work through things. So mastermind groups, I think, are really, really good um, options and opportunities for people to hear other suggestions and kind of be a sounding board and to help you offload some of your, um, this is really making me mad, and how did you handle it and get somebody else's perspective. So those are the some of the, the uh, resources that I came up with. Julia, I felt like you covered greatest hits there. It's like book, you've got <laughs> association you got mastermind you got business coach like lot, lots of uh good suggestions opportunities for there you know paul and matt like what, what would you guys reinforce you know from that or anything else that you would add on resources would, and who they'd be relevant for i would add to julie's i'm just gonna add to her she pretty much covered most of it but um julie's husband chris is, was in both my masterminds um, and I would, when you get comfortable with your mastermind, this was phenomenal. We would go away the mastermind for three or four days and everybody would bring their financials, show them on the overhead. And we would go through with five to six other companies, our own financials. And that is so scary when you're showing your numbers to other people. But I can tell you one person in our mastermind group, we have doubled his income or doubled the amount he's getting per door and the year that he's been there because he's like, oh, wow, you guys do this. And then all of a sudden I look at Julie's and be like, that makes that much money for that thing that you're doing. And it was, but you, you can't just go and get five companies together and say, hey, let's go share our books. That's not going to work. 
You need to build a year of trust where you meet with them, you talk to them, and you really have to make it like where it's, this is something that we're not going to share to other people, that we're here to help each other. And so find that, find people that you relate to, find people that you like. Uh, the other thing is, um, traction and what the heck is EOS? Those, like Julie said, those are great books. What I did is I used to work out and listen to traction. So I would go on a long run and I would listen to traction. Traction is the only book that I don't read. I just, everything I do is in the AirPods because I just don't have time. Well, I, I have time. I don't make time to read. And so I listen to all my books while I'm running or swimming or whatever it is. But traction is one where I'd have the book because there'd be a chapter and I'd be like, well, I got to go back to that. And I'd actually look at that, but I could get it. And it's one of those books, Traction, and what the heck is EOS is, I don't think you can read it once and get it. It's just like, you, you like all of a sudden I'll be like, okay, let's work on this section of my company. And so I'll listen to that chapter a couple of times, look at some things, stuff like that. But those are, um, those are the really, I mean, basically what Julie said is correct. And, um, you know, that's, that's been huge for me. Hmm. Awesome. Matt, what would you add? Um, I'm going to put three book recommendations in the chat here. Um, so uh, yeah, Julie and Paul, you guys did a really good job answering this question. So I'll just add three books. The first one is uh, Measure What Matters Most by John Doerr. Um, a lot of people don't know this book or this guy, but he's kind of the godfather of what's called OKRs, um, which is um, in some ways the predecessor to traction or KPIs. Um, so that's a really good book. Um, the Effective Executive by Peter Drucker. Anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Peter Drucker fan. This book was actually originally written in the 1960s. And to me, it's still just as applicable today as it was then. Um, I just really love this book a lot. And then um, this book um, is kind of trendy right now, but I really like it. Making Money is Killing Your Business by Chuck Blakeman. Um, and it touches that book is all about a lot of things we've talked about here in terms of a business owner trying to put themselves out of a job. That's kind of the whole idea behind that book. Um, and it's, it's very good. Um, so, um, I would echo everything Julian Paul said, those are fantastic advice. And then here are three more books to consider. Yeah. Awesome stuff. I'll give a, uh, I'll give a shout out. Listen, if you're here, you may have found a way here from the triple win podcast. Jordan Wayla has a great podcast, Profitable Property Management. Matt Whitaker's got one, 300 to 3,000. By the way, if you're just trying to go from 300 to 1,000, it can still be uh, <laughs> very valuable for you. Um, there's a lot of great, great content you can find. There's some Facebook groups out there. In addition, you can find find some friends in the Triple Win Facebook group, but also uh, other groups dedicated to property managers out there that I know a lot of people stay plugged in and connected with uh, to find ideas and bounce things off of other folks. So Man, quick hit list of a lot of different great resources for folks to help them keep momentum. And that, that's where I want to go next, which is, hey, we've talked about a planning process and setting goals, um, different ways and approaches of doing it. You know, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about how do you keep these goals top of mind? How do you stay connected to these, right, these things? And um, what, what's the way you and as leaders, you know, of other folks on the team, you know, how do you help engage your team in staying connected to organizational goals, their goals, you know, over time in a way that's helpful and productive? What advice might you share? Uh, Matt, I'm going to come to you first on this one. Well, um, 
Again, the whole point of, you know, the, the point of this session was really to talk about an annual goal. And so, again, just as a reminder, something we've talked about, the whole point of the annual goal is to figure out what your quarterly project needs to be. And so once you figure out what the quarterly project needs to be, I don't feel a lot of pressure to remind everybody what the annual goal is. That would actually be a distraction. So, um, so it's really just a matter of staying focused on our projects for the quarter. And this is something that um, EOS uh, does really well. Um, and you can read about that in the book Traction, or, you know, we have a lot of information about that at BetterWho in our BuildSmart system. And so it's all about having a really good, effective weekly meeting, um, having really good milestones and accountability where you literally just check in with everybody and say, are you on track or off track? And there's no wrong answer to that. There's just whatever the fact is, is the fact. And if you're off track, then we'll figure out if we need to talk about that and figure out how we need to help get you back on track. Um, and have that extreme ownership within your company. Um, so yeah, that would be my answer to this question. Awesome. Great. Julia or Paul, anything you'd add there of where where goals make their way back in or how you keep people connected and when? Say so I um Matt shared his um L10 spreadsheet with probably several different times in different conferences, and we've used that to keep us organized um, in our weekly team meetings. Um, we have the quarterly goals laid out. Everybody before the meeting goes in and check marks. Did, are you on track, off track? Um, if two weeks in a row they're off track, then we have the, okay, is there anything I can do to help? Do you need any assistance? Is this goal not working for you? Kind of that one of us said, you know, it's not a big deal if this goal is, I think it was you, Andrew said, if, if this goal, it's just, I'm stuck here. Okay, let's come up with a different one that still gets us to that, that end of the year. Um, so that spreadsheet is really, really helpful for us. If we didn't have that, if we lost it, we'd be like, uh, what are we doing here? So um, I'm sure Matt would be willing to share that with anybody here. Um, I think one thing that um, we struggled in the beginning, we've been doing it for probably about three years, in the beginning, we did not make it a firm commitment every single week we're doing this. Um, so we got out of sync and then we'd have to start all over again. Where where, where were we? Where did we need to pick up? So um, once we, we all, and it was a team effort um, because we all came up with, I'm really swamped today, can we just not have this? Um, so once we we came up with that and said, we're, we're having this every single Thursday at 1030, um, we're doing it. Um, we're looking ahead to next Thursday and the following Thursday. Chris and I are going to be gone next week. Next Thursday is Thanksgiving. So we're going to move it to Wednesday to make sure we're not skipping two weeks. Um, so that's, I would say, what we do to to um, to stay on task. And then those directors go back to their teams. They have weekly team meetings where they're basically doing the same thing that we do in our director meeting. Paula, I'm curious for you, like kind of taking this different approach you talked about of every process like we're auditing it right and finding all these opportunities and it when you first talked about this it like it reminded me a little bit of like the nick saban approach per se of like not worrying about winning the game and breaking up into quarters and the big score like every single play every single six seconds like are we giving our best and like very process oriented habit oriented kind of along the way that systems thinking the way of thinking that you have i'm curious like how, once you've got this big list of ideas and process improvements and opportunities, how, how does it look from there, you know, actually playing out until the following year? Well, the first thing I would say is I would have loved it if I was paired, like if I had a business partner that was 
door, 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 grab, 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 you know, gung ho, like we're going to market the heck out of it. I've always said marketing is not what I love. I don't like marketing. I like getting things. Like I look back at like Pete Newbig and Steve Rosenberg. They are with a perfect marriage. Steve Rosenberg was door, door, door. Pete Newbig was process, process, procedures, how things work. So you have to know your weaknesses. Um, and I, I do analyze things. Sometimes you have to get off, you, you have to move forward. And I'm pretty good. I mean, I, I'm a risk taker. I'm not like, I'm not a risk taker, but it's still, you also, nothing's ever going to be perfect. Um, but if you can make things better, then that's good. But you just have to realize you're going to put stuff out there that's not perfect and you got to go forward. I was also going to say one other thing is I'm willing to help anybody if they call me. People have called me and I'm sure Matthew and Julia are the same. I call them all the time. My list is so long of people that I call for, for questions and concerns. But when I first got into property management uh, like eight, 10 years ago, Keith Becker, Brad Larson, and I don't want to make Brad's head any bigger, Brian Birdie, Pete Newbig, and Lisa Force. They helped me and gave me stuff to make my business. And they would like, I remember talking to Brad Larson because he was not that, he was just a little tiny guy at the time. I think he had like 200 doors or whatever it was. And he'd be like, oh yeah, you want this? This is what we put on the door at the market. And he sent me his marketing flyer. He sent me stuff. And that level of, within our community, we have to realize there's so many people that will help you with your end goals, with what you want to do start reaching out to people and make those connections. And a lot of these people that are on this list now, you know, they're way, you know, they're running thousand or companies and they're running big things. And, but there's a lot of others and I will always remember that. So if someone calls me, um, I always try to help them out. They always will try to like see what I can do. And I know Matthew is the same way. Um, so those are the key things. Like you want to gain your, you want to make your annual process. You want to make, if you're wherever you are on the stage, between the 25, the 50 people on this call, we've all made a lot of mistakes. Start asking people around and they, and, you know, like, you know, some of the bigger companies like Julian, Chris, they'll ask me questions all the time. And they'll be like, Oh, we learned from that. Just because someone's bigger than you doesn't mean that you're not doing it something the right way or something else. So my thing would be ask a lot of questions. Narcom has been a great community and I will always you know, share that for the rest of the time I'm in property management. Mm, man, that's great. Developing a network in property manager that you can go to. We've heard that woven a few few times throughout how valuable that is and those relationships can be. Um, we certainly hope that these events get, get people some exposure and get connected. You know, NARPM is a great place where so many people, I feel like, meet a lot of people and start to develop that network. There's lots of great opportunities. Great, great counsel, Paul. Well, honestly, the NARPM, when I think of NARPM, I think of our vendors. Like when I think of NARPM, I don't think of NARPM as in the people in charge of NARPM. I think of Second Nature and Tenant Turner and all the people that are NARPM. Like I, when I think of NARPM, I think of Second Nature, you know, vendor of the year for 20 years straight. So whatever it is, you know, so, um, so that's like when I say the word NARPM, I'm not saying the organization. I'm saying the organization that we all participate in. Hmm. Totally. Totally. Awesome. Well, Hey, um, let's do this. We, we may wrap this a couple minutes early, but I'm going to reserve some space in case somebody wants to come up, has a goal they can try. Laura, I may ask you to like ping some folks and reach out if we've got somebody who wants to bring up something that they're working on and have a chance to do that. Um, so here's the last question I'll really ask 
the panel here. And it, it's really an open field of, is there anything we didn't cover yet that you feel like, oh, if man, I mean, how could we spend 90 minutes talking about annual planning, goal setting, this is that, and we didn't talk about this, like you'd roll over tonight saying, I can't believe we didn't cover that. I just wanna give you the floor and opportunity to share anything there. If nothing's coming to mind there and you feel like we've covered it, maybe you could share something about just where you've gotten stuck in the past on this or where you've seen others get stuck and how you overcame it or how you saw them overcome it, um, you know, to really get to a better place with their annual planning, goal setting, move their business forward. Um, and, and let's do this. Matt, can we start with you again on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, so one of the um, one of the other critiques I have about EOS is that EOS presumes that anybody would be a good project manager as just by as if like, okay, we have this project. Cool. That's in your wheelhouse here. So go get this project done. But what I've really learned over the years is that project management is actually a, a, a unique skill set, right? So like if you have some project where you really want to overhaul something in your maintenance department, just because you have this person that happens to be like the manager of your maintenance department right now, doesn't mean they're the right person that can overhaul whatever this project is within maintenance, right? So um, so what I've really learned is to identify, and, and almost all of you here surely have at least one or two people on your team that like project management is kind of more natural for them. This is going to be a person who's very detail oriented um, and can kind of see a plan and put it together and, you know, that kind of thing. So if you can identify who are the right, you know, one, two, three people in your team that are good project managers, then allow them to come. It's still okay to have your maintenance manager own the project, but have that project manager come alongside them to kind of help them in the beginning. Like, okay, let's make sure we're thinking through all the details. What are all the resources you're going to need? Who are the people you're going to need help from? Uh, what's the timeline we need to build this out on, right? And then to kind of just check in with them over the course of that project to say, okay, how's it going? How are we doing with this? So um, so I would say that's um, a big weak spot that I had for a while before I really figured that out. Hmm. Man, that's great. Matt, thanks for sharing that. I'm glad we're asking this question before, uh, <laughs> before we end. Ju Julie, I'm going to come to you next. Yep. So um, I'm going to point to or answer the, the question, how, where is it easy to get stuck in the, these goals and where you're going? And we, we experienced this over and over again, and I think we've finally we finally figured out the the um, the key to this, um, but there's a couple of things that I think when you're planning your goals that can just it, it will not work is if you have way too many goals. So you get um, way overachiever syndrome, and I can get these twelve things done in a quarter. You will not get them done, and then it just leads to um, you know you're going to be disappointed, you're going to be frustrated, you're just going to give up and say screw this, I'm not doing goals ever again. So I think. Um, we we have the and this is an EOS thing as well and all there's some other systems out there that are similar. Um, three to five goals um, is really the the number that if you're going to do it right is really all that you can should put on your plate. Um, the other thing that we have struggled with is and I'll say I'm going to call him out. It'll be Chris. Um, he sees things halfway through the quarter. Oh, we can add this to it. We can do this. And I had a hard time saying no. And that's kind of that visionary and implementer, um, those two um, roles. He's, he's very 
in the clouds and wants to do all these great things. And I've, we have worked it out that no, I, I'm going to be the firm one. No, these are our goals. This is what we're doing. If you want to add that, let's put it on our list to talk about going into quarter two. So I think those, those really are, you, you got to keep those in mind or, or like I said, you'll just, you'll want to give up. The other one is to make sure that you're making your goals smart. And I said at the very beginning, but I think that's really, really important. Again, you're not going to know, you're not going to be able to confidently say, yep, I got it done or no, I didn't. So those would be my, my three things to, to really watch when you're, when you're planning your goals. Yeah. I, I know on our team, when we were first implementing EOS, like there was a big struggle of like your job became a rocket. It was like, wait, this is a role, not a goal, right. Or something that we're accomplishing. Like we'll know when it's done. Right. Um, and, and that's what I love what you said about so many goals that it can be hard to focus or really make progress where it matters most. Um, really great advice. All right, Paul, anything like, man, I can't believe we didn't cover this yet. Somehow it slipped through or. Well, one of the biggest things that we did in our company was we made a rule because I would go to these conferences and I'd come back and be like, we're going to do this. We're going to implement this. We're going to do this. And it was, uh, we started implementing technology. Once we switched to Google drive, like we were on like, some other, I forget, it was a long time ago. And we switched to Google Drive like right before summer and it was a complete disaster and it brought down all of our things and it was something that should have been very easy, wasn't. So we made a rule, it's the Paul rule. We only do technology changes and implement new programs from September through January. And we get all those done in September through January and then we work on them rest the rest of the year to make them right. But you don't want to do major changes to your company in the middle of summer because you're going to it's already you already have staff that want to quit because it's summertime and they're doing 50 inspections and they're going crazy and so when you all of a sudden you're like hey we're going to add this new you know program and we're going to figure it out and we need to spend two weeks doing it so that's why it's so important to start your goal planning in September and then you know do what it is in, in January kind of do what we're going to do for the next year but you've already done that. But, you know, don't do your goal planning in June. It is just, it's just not, a. I mean, June through August are not, at least in my market and most markets in the United States, not a good time. Yeah. Um, on that note too, like we've had a, a lot of times, probably most years, we don't even hardly set any projects during that quarter. We're just like, nope, we're holding down the fort, which means when you do your annual planning, you can't just think like, oh, like every quarter is the same. It's not, right? So you have to think about that a little bit to be like, yeah, I mean, this is what I can get done the first quarter because I know second quarter, I'm really not going to get anything done, right? Like, so think through that a little bit as you do your annual planning. Yeah, mm. and fourth quarter is the best. Fourth quarter is you should get a ton done fourth quarter. If you're not getting stuff done fourth quarter, then there's a problem because, you know, November, December, you should, at least in most markets, you don't have much move outs. Mm. I love what you guys are sharing here about the seasonality of the business and the bandwidth and understanding how that affects you and other parts of the team. And like, it would be very intuitive to say, okay, we've got a, you know, annual goal. We're going to break it up into four equal parts, right? Across four quarters uh, and try to manage it that way versus uh, potentially load balancing that based on what you expect, uh, expect to be happening. Really cool. Here's the way we're going to wrap this up. Um, we're we're going to actually go to the audience and we'll hear hear from the audience here to close back this is the greatest gift in my opinion 
you could give Julie, Paul, and Matt right now, which is we're going to ask you one or two of your top takeaways. What, what is the greatest gift, the lessons that were illuminated for you today? Is there an action that you're inspired to take leaving this event? What is something you got clarity on that you didn't have the same level of clarity on coming in? You know, what are your biggest takeaways or the greatest gifts that this panel gave to you today? And we'd love to ask you to just raise your Zoom hand and we'll bring you up. Laura, I'll just start getting the Zoom cue going. If you don't know how to raise your Zoom hand, uh, you can raise your physical hand if you've got your video on and Laura can find you and we'll cue you up. Or you can just put in the chat, um, hey, here's, uh, you've got a takeaway ready. But we want to hear them uh, from you because capturing these on, on recording is helpful and hearing it directly is helpful. We'll pull you up to the Zoom stage. We always appreciate the courage of the people who come up here first, second, third. It's a little easier after the first or second person have come up uh, to be able to share. So Jim Smith, thank you for being first. We'll bring you up, then Sam, then Michelle after that. Oh, thank you. Yeah, being shy, you know me. Oh, want to emphasize something that was said earlier that's really important to get off site to work on the plan. Uh, something I've been doing for, golly, 40 plus years. The way I handle it, I jump on my Harley. I take off for two or three weeks. I camp out every night. I have a ritual when I'm camping out where I literally will sit down and I journal. And part of that journal, a lot of times I carry big index cards with me. And it's on those index cards that I have the major topics that I'm addressing. And I'll make notes either on the index cards or I'll, I, I have different ways I've done it over the years. But that gets me totally away from everything. And the bonus that I have is when I'm actually out on the road driving throughout the day, heaven knows where I'm headed. Uh, I've been taking in the scenery, but it gives me a chance just to kind of get clarity on what I've been thinking about. And over a period of a couple of weeks, it's amazing what I can do to really channel where I want to go. Is my plan on, on topic or not? Or as it happened six years ago, I realized that I, I asked myself the question, if I started the company today, what would it look like? And it chilled me to realize that by the end of the day, that company would look nothing like the company that I actually had. So, you know, getting away and getting away from distractions, like you can hear in the background on my side, I apologize. Uh, but just getting away and, and whether it's by yourself, I like doing it by myself initially. Then I have clarity when I sit down with staff and uh, we can get things done uh, with a focus. Mm. Jim, hey, thanks for sharing that. Thanks for being First to share a takeaway, talking about getting off site. Thanks for making it real and personal, talking about your personal experience with that. Really I cool. I just wanted to call out his backdrop too. Did anybody read that, his backdrop? Yeah. Oh yeah. Jim's the perennial champion of, of Zoom backgrounds. Always has a legendary background. Um, awesome. All right, Sam, we said we might see you a little bit later. So here we are again, uh, got top takeaways or? I, I think these guys know that I'm definitely not uh, shy. So uh, ultimately I had, I wrote down two quotes that I thought were really good. Um, I think that really resonated with me. One was perfection is the enemy of good. I, I really love that. And as much as so often we're like, well, I'm, I'm not going to do everything right. And so instead of just doing it, uh, you end up doing nothing. And so I think that's really the big thing is, is that. And then the other one that I really like that Andrew, I, I, I'm going to say that you said it, this is going to be my new motto is find a new goal that matters, right? Ultimately for me, that's very powerful because instead of just giving up, um, find a goal that matters because it's going to redouble down your efforts and to say, you know, 
maybe this was not the right goal that I really felt passionate about so that I would put in those extra hours, do those, do what's necessary. But also, you know, if it's a, if it's a metric that's related to, oh, I didn't sell um, as many second nature subscriptions, well, maybe it's the number of people that I talked to and, and the connections that I've made, right? So it's, it's find something that matters that you can ultimately use as the goal um, and not the necessarily the, the, the goal itself, so. Awesome. All right, we got two good ones there. Thank you very much, Sam. Always, always great to see you. Michelle, I'm bringing you up to the Zoom stage. There we go. Hi, everybody. Uh, Matthew probably laughed, because, or Julie, because I, I put in place the level 10 meetings, but without our goals. So I was like, oh, maybe I need to now meet with our you know, teams and have those goals. And so this is a really great timing um, for this meeting. Um, but I love, Julie, I loved your approach of kind of breaking down the goals for each team of like the different who you're servicing, right? To get you focused. I think that was very, very helpful. Um, I love the what's in the parking lot, but I guess maybe you could you could even put that in the issues section, right? Of your level 10 meeting almost, right? Like put it as like another, drop it down almost. Anyways, that was what I was thinking. And then the seasonality of quarters. I think that was, I think we forget our team gets overloaded during different times of the year. And for us, like November, December, we're dealing with property taxes and end of year and all sorts of tax, tax, you know, reporting. And this is such a busy time here versus January where suddenly it gets maybe a little quieter for us. <laughs> so I, I re- it's a good reminder, good reminder for everybody. So thank you. That's it. And Michelle, thanks for that. Reflecting those back. We've got time for one more. So I'm bringing Ken. Thank you for raising your Zoom hand, Ken. You bet. No, there are so many good nuggets here, some of which were brand new to me and some of which were just reminders. But the the incremental nature of annual goals is sticking out to me. Like, I think every year I plan and I want to conquer the world in a year. Well, it takes longer than that. Uh, <laughs> so each year is just a step. It's not it's not the end. And so that that's thinking about the three year and the 10 year as opposed to, you know, where am I really headed and how does that year get me there this next year? get me there is, is uh, top of my mind. So this, I'm grateful for that. Man, Ken, thanks for sharing that. Much appreciated. Thanks for being with us today. If you're like me, you've got like seven pages of, uh, of notes. I, I can't help but take notes myself as we're going along, all the great stuff being shared. Um, listen, I just want to use our last minute before we end on time, which uh, my mom will be so proud of me that I ended one on time. Uh, Thank you so much to Matt. Thank you so much to Paul. Thank you so much to Julie. Anybody wants to express some quick appreciation in the chat, please feel free to do that. Very generous of the three of you who mentioned a lot how other people have helped and inspired you and contributed to you and really paying it forward uh, today for everyone that's here. And we know the hundreds of people, uh, thousands of people sometimes that catch this you know, after it's been recorded. So we really, really appreciate you guys generously stepping up, preparing, delivering great, great stuff today. Um, With that, we're signing off. Andrew Smallwood, happy Triple Wednesday to all the professional property managers out there. Keep stacking your triple wins and we will see you next time. Take care, everybody. That's all for today's Triple Win Property Management Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sharing a piece of your life with us. We do not take it for granted. I also want to give a shout out to Carol Housel for everything she and our team does to make these possible. It's crazy to think about over 5,000 professional property managers have pressed play 
on episodes in season one and season two now. And we really want to encourage you to keep giving feedback because more and more people are listening. It's getting better and better and better thanks to everything that you're sharing with us. If you like this enough to listen, I want to encourage you to share it with other people. Um, you can give us feedback directly on those social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn, wherever you're hanging out. You can also send us an email at triplewin at secondnature.com. And we just want to give more. We're, we're, there's no sales pitch here. Just want to offer more resources that help you find and stack your next triple win and become a triple win driven property manager. So where can you find that? You can find the private Facebook group. You can find our blog. You can find our newsletter. You can find more resources all at rbp.secondnature.com. Just search for what you're looking for there. And every time we see you, we want to see a better version of you and your business to that end. Keep it going. Feel inspired. Take our encouragement. And we'll see you next time.